This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Tactical air on the shirt today. Not because it's short sleeves. I like short sleeve shirts. They remind me of Vegas. They remind me of a warmer time. Freezing in the building today. Outside, really? not nice, but inside, freezing today. I'm really paying the price for this. Yeah, that's not an ideal situation. Let's no. see if we can get to a situation where maybe, you know, your your nipples are going to be just fine. I, I, otherwise I think I don't that's need gone to far him. enough. I, I don't need to see him. <laughs> and it's Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance, my friends. And we start with the 49ers, and we start with Brock Purdy. Everybody's talking about Dan Campbell, and trust me, we will get to Dan Campbell and his tomfoolery in just a little bit. But, Joe, I am just blown away by the performance we saw in the second half from Brock Purdy. There has been an awful lot of doubt ever since what happened against the Baltimore Ravens a few weeks back when he was absolutely atrocious. And in that first half, and after last week when he wasn't very good, there was understandably some slander. But Brock Purdy, in every single way, played a brilliant second half of football against the Detroit Lions, being down 17 and delivered for his team when they needed it the most. And that, to me, is how I grade great players. When you need to be there the most, in the most crucial times, you deliver. And in the second half yesterday, Brock Purdy was 13 of 16 for 174 yards, one touchdown, and 49 yards rushing, where... Every single one of those rushes, it seemed, came in a huge spot. Brock Purdy is what Lamar Jackson was supposed to be. Exactly. It's plain and simple. Lamar Jackson's going to go ahead and get some more regular season hardware. Congratulations. Nowhere to be found at any point. No resilience, no backbone, no spine, no performance, no nothing. More on that later. Purdy had every opportunity to just crawl into a hole. He had every opportunity to airmail some passes like we saw on occasion the week before against Green Bay. And you know what he realized? When it got to its most pressure-filled moments, just tuck and run. Try to make something of nothing. Nobody was asking you to rip off a 75-yard run for a touchdown. No one was asking you to go 15 for 15 for 220 yards and three scores. No one was asking for that. It's a playoff game. By design, it's going to be messy. By design, there's going to be anxiety. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be all of it. Every possible obstacle you could encounter you're going to encounter in a playoff game of this magnitude keep your cool find a way to make a play find a way to move the sticks find a way and this is most important find a way to give your team a chance keep a minute give them a chance other guys will rally other guys will make plays brandon Ayuk, huge reception off the face mask deflection defense getting key stops in critical moments forcing big fumbles in big spots to swing the momentum brock purdy bravo because all year long, if we're going to have this debate about whether or not he's the MVP, like like the mis- the debate was misguided. Can yeah. he play quarterback yep. at a high level? The answer is yes. Yep. I don't Absolutely care if he's right. an MVP. I don't care if he's the franchise. I don't care if he's the next uh, Patrick Mahomes. All these conversations we get bogged down with, can you play the position at a high level when it matters? The answer, Yes. And something that I found particularly impressive yesterday was the fact that this is a team that was down 17 points at halftime, and it did not phase them in the least. And this will help explain why that was the case. Here is Purdy on what was going on in the locker room at halftime. No one was rah-rah. No one was freaking out. It was just, it's football. I feel like there's a lot of 
experienced guys on this team, veterans that have you know been in crazy situations, and and so everyone was like, all right, we just got to do our job straight up. Like the offense has to move the ball, we got to put up points, convert on third downs, defense get some stops for us, and that was really about it. There wasn't really much said. Kyle said a couple things, Fred said a couple things, but we kept it simple. Well. Take a listen to what Kyle had to say. It's only 17 points. Been a lot of football games where you're down 17 points or starting with the ball. There's plenty of time to come back, plenty of points to come back. But regardless of any of that stuff, we're not going out like this. We've got to be a lot more aggressive here in the second half. Joe, you've talked about reading the Daily Stoic and how important yeah. it is to be just that when you are in situations where panic is an option. And the 49ers in no way yesterday panicked in that situation and they came out and frankly before the end of the third quarter the game had completely changed and you knew what exactly was going to happen the rest of the way we're going to talk about this a lot today because it applies to both teams or both losing teams in both games so many times we as as individuals right and this isn't just in sports we as individuals we get caught up and we have this anxiety that builds up because we're trying so hard to make the perfect decision to lead the perfect life to do things without mistake. That doesn't need to be the goal. Yes, precision is going to matter when you're trying to land a rover on Mars. But when you're playing a football game, when you're going through your day-to-day routine, sometimes it's not about the best possible decision. Sometimes it's simply just avoiding the worst decision. The two teams that lost yesterday found ways to repeatedly make the worst decision imaginable of the options that were presented to them. To the Niners, they were down 17. What can we do? What play can we make to just kind of get this thing going? Can we get a field goal drive to at least build a little bit of positivity? And that's what they did. They found ways to just take what Detroit's defense gave them when Detroit was willing to make bad decisions and lead themselves into huge mistakes The Niners were ready to capitalize. They put themselves in a position to win, and ultimately they found themselves winning. Yeah, and and I I think you really make a great point when you talk about taking advantage of those bad decisions because average teams can't always do that. Good teams can't always do that. Great teams, they always do that. Yeah. 49ers are a great team, and that's why they're going to the Super Bowl. And, yeah, they've had bumps along the way, there's no doubt, but they survive those, and they treat those not as learning lessons, but just as what they are, a bump in one week. And what's next? Let's get back to work, and let's keep our usual calmness about what we are doing. And that quarterback is absolutely perfect for that mentality. I know what people want to do. You want to go immediately to Joe Montana because of the same demeanor. That's fine. Do whatever you want. It's not about Joe Montana. This is about a guy who is handed a job in a very tough situation and has been able to mentally handle it at every stop along the way. And I'm watching that second half yesterday, and I'm thinking back to last year, Joe, and I'm thinking, wow, you know what? If Brock Purdy was healthy that entire NFC championship game, I don't know that the 49ers win it, but I know it's a very, very close game down the stretch. I know it's a very close game. And it really made me think even more about how much the dynamic could have changed. And just think about him in relation to the other quarterbacks who were playing and Lamar Jackson, you know, and Jared Goff. These are guys who have been in the league for a while one of whom has been to a Super Bowl before, didn't play poorly. This guy played better. 
And he's only in his second year, and why? Because some guys are just wired differently in the way they handle their business. There's something to be said about the individuals who are able to look past the fear, to eliminate the fear from the equation. Because that's what happens in this spot. Fear of failure, fear of mistake, fear of fill-in-the-blank, right? But we saw that with the Ravens in the second half. It was a fear of everything. The Ravens were just a mess. Yesterday, if Purdy Purdy, is playing with fear, he's not going to be able to execute what he executes, right? People will look to the play with the deflection off the face mask for 51 yards. Ayuk makes the catch. People say that should have been interception. Intercepted, sure. A guy playing with fear doesn't even throw that ball. He probably checks it down. Maybe he takes a sack. Purdy let it rip. They needed plays in that game. And the playmakers went out and made plays. The opportunity presented itself for the Niners to walk through the door and get back to the Super Bowl. Oh, by the way, the last pick in the draft, two drafts ago, that kid's been to two NFC Championship games already, and now he's going to the Super Bowl. He's a pretty good quarterback. These debates about whether or not he's the MVP or Christian McCaffrey's the MVP, we're the only idiots that care about that. The team doesn't care. The team has the position locked down. That's important because there are teams all around the NFL trying to figure out the quarterback position. Niners are good. Is he Montana? Probably not. Probably not. There's only really a couple guys that can be Joe Montana. But they got a guy who can play the position. That's what you're looking for. Stop with the comparisons. Can you play quarterback? Yes. Can you play it at a high level? Yeah, it looks like it. Can you play in big pressure spots? We've seen it two weeks in a row. You're the guy. Can you have the trait that is necessary in those pressure spots? Yeah. And, you know, again, it's not about comparisons. But Brock Purdy has the one trait that Montana did when they called him Joe Cool and the way he handled himself. It's a, it's a singular trait that he has, and he has a trait that Brady had in his first year or two when he went to the Super Bowl. Remember when Brady led them down the field against the Rams to set him up for the field goal, yeah. and they had to spike the ball, and he spiked it, and it just popped right back up into his hands. And it was like, cool as a cucumber. We got this. Brock Purdy has that one singular trait that those other two guys had, and it served them immensely well in that second half. Yesterday. It's the it factor. Yeah, That's what they talk about when they're evaluating prospects. Does he have the it factor? Oh, well, what is the it factor? I'm always hearing about the it factor. You, you can't quantify it. You can you know just it see, it. see it. You know it when you see it. Very well said. Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with our easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Up next, Joseph Patrick Mahomes is in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. But we're going to tell you why he didn't have a whole lot to do with it. That's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly 
what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Chiefs have the Lamar Hunt Trophy, and they're taking it to Vegas for Super Bowl 58. I thought our guys played hard, aggressive football. They did, they came out and played their hearts out. Mahomes to throw it, fires it near side to Kelsey, comes back to the ball and holds it in. Touchdown, Kansas City. Our job now is to prepare ourselves to play a good football team in the Super Bowl and try to get that ring. You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. Okay, Mitch Holfus, I love you. 106.5 The Wolf in Kansas City. That's a bit much because I don't feel like the Chiefs have been a, a massive villain over the last few years. But whatever, they are in their fourth they are in their fourth Super Bowl in five years, Joseph. And they deserve to be there because they went on the road and had a fantastic win. But let's not get this twisted, okay? The Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl because the Baltimore Ravens made every crucial mistake at every crucial juncture, and they were not ready for the moment. They weren't ready for the game. Like, for what we took and gave to Mike McCarthy after that performance against Green Bay, we kept saying McCarthy doesn't have him prepared, McCarthy doesn't have him ready, how can that happen? John Harbaugh's team was nowhere to be found. Nope. What was the game plan? What was the game plan? You get the ball to start the game, and, of course, it's just this predictable off-tackle one-yard run. One-yard run. Okay, not a great call or not a great result, but obviously Kansas City's defense is weak. But we all knew it was coming. We know. Everybody knows you want to ease Lamar Jackson into a game. No one's going to come out trying to put it in his hands because we've seen results like we ended up seeing. So on the second play, you decide you're going to throw a pass. Jackson gets panicky, takes off running, slides feet first, picks up two yards instead of four. So now you've got yourself in third and long. And not only do you go incomplete with a drop, the wide receiver wasn't even running at the stick, so you weren't going to have a first down even if he caught the ball. You were off the field in about a minute's time. The only reason it lasted a minute is it takes Jackson 40 seconds to snap the ball on every single play as they just bled the clock out for Kansas City during the game. And then the defense comes out, the big, bad, vaunted defense from Baltimore, and they let Patrick Mahomes just march down the field for a 7-0 score. They took the air out of the building instantaneously. Mm -hmm. And then you just watch them unravel with the penalties and the bad decisions. Zay Flowers, after the penalty and the fumble, goes to the sideline, cuts his hand on the bench. Lamar Jackson throwing his helmet after the interception. Roquan Smith picking up a 15-yard penalty on what could have been a very smart play. Jump off sides, reset the downs, but instead he has to blast the O-lineman. He gets 15 for it. That team has no resiliency. None. And that falls on the head coach, 
John Harbaugh just looked like he saw a ghost all afternoon on the sideline, completely overwhelmed from the beginning of that game all the way through the end. Well, I want to focus on those mistakes. Sure. Because, first of all, with Zay Flowers, dating back to when he was at Boston College, and I saw him a lot there, okay, and they were not a good football team. Zay Flowers was not this guy that would lose his cool like that. So he goes down. This team makes a massive play. Finally, they, by the way, finally yes, makes exactly, a play. exactly, which they have not been able to do all day long. They actually, I went back and watched this morning. It was one of the few plays in the second half, Joe, where the Chiefs only rushed four, and they didn't blitz. And what do you know? He can make a play downfield, so he finds him, and immediately you take a taunting penalty. That's just dumb. And then down near the goal line, I understand the want and need to reach out that arm to try to get it across. It's a dumb, selfish play. And why is it selfish? You have one of the best goal line backs in the league with Gus Edwards. You got the best rushing offense in the wait, league. Wait, what's Gus Edwards got? Like 13 touchdowns this year? On 13 carries. Yeah, something like that. It's so dumb. And you got the ball knocked free, and you were absolutely at fault for that. So the touchback happens. All right, that's one red zone turnover there. Then, later, Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney, who should know better, after a five-yard penalty on first down, is trying to intentionally jump offside so that it makes it first and 10 again because they have clock issues to deal with. What does he do? He knocks the guy over. That's Roquan Smith, I believe. Uh, I'm sorry, Roquan Smith, you're right. Roquan Smith knocks the guy over, and it doesn't make it any better, by the way, because you're Roquan Smith. You've been around forever. Right. He knocks the guy over, and he gets the, the you know, 15-yard unnecessary roughness. Yeah, and, and I forgot about the clowny roughing the passer penalty as well. That's the other thing. Lowered the helmet. Tied in, too. That was dumb. That's a play out of frustration. And the Lamar interception. I mean, I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know. I, I get, Guys, if you are going to sit there and complain about pass interference calls today, go away. Go away. That ball should have never been thrown into that situation. There were nothing but white jerseys around Isaiah Likely. He had no shot to catch that. Ball. This was one of those failures from top to bottom. Yep. Every, everyone, you can rank who deserves the most blame, but like all the way around, there's blame. So Todd Monken. Brilliant offensive coordinator, right? He is the difference. That looked like a Greg Roman game. That looked like every Greg Roman playoff game I've ever seen from the Ravens. Like, what did Monken do different? Everyone knows, everyone, every idiot knows, going into that game, Kansas City's weak against the run. They're strong against the pass. Like, the running backs for Baltimore had, I think, six carries yesterday. Six in a game that largely was a one-score game, maybe a 10-point game. Like, you did not have to abandon the run immediately, what we, what, and they did. What, what did we talk about all last week? That they're going to run the ball down their throats. Yeah. That Buffalo ran the ball down their throats. You cannot beat them throwing the football. They're, that's where they're good defensively. And look, give them credit defensively. Oh, the Chiefs were awesome. Oh, my God. Like we're, we, we were dividing job. up the show. with all. There's so much to discuss. There's we're dividing so it up. Like, just for anyone who thinks it's going to be pure negative – there's a lot to say about Spagnolo later and Reed and the Chiefs. Listen, but this this is the Ravens time. Yeah. This is the Ravens this, 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 time. Because that's why <laughs> we can talk about anything else. I heard all about Kyle Hamilton last week. 
all about him, how he's going to contain Kelsey. Dude had 100 yards at the half. He, he, Ten Hamilton, catches in the first half. Hamilton's one of the few guys that had a good game. I understand, but I'm, I'm not blaming him. I'm saying, where was he on him? I think, yeah, like he, he outside of the TD, the they moved him off. To contain him, and they go with some other kind of a plan, and the guy's, the guy's killing you throughout the game. I mean, there's going to be, naturally, a ton of focus on Jackson, and rightfully so. He's headed for another hollow MVP award. Mm. I'll just, look, at some point, great players make great moments in great spots. He didn't do it, and he's never done it. All the great spots he's ever been in, he has never been able to make the great moments. And that doesn't mean he can't down the line, but I'm watching first take this morning, and the bottom line says, is Lamar Jackson the next great QB to not win a Super Bowl? I want to revisit the whole great thing. Like, it's it's he is a great regular season quarterback. Okay. Over the course of the regular season, he is a great regular season quarterback. And then when you ratchet everything up, once again – you see what you saw. Great guys in great moments have great performances, and he's never done that. He is. He's Joel Embiid. Those two uh, are two peas in a pod. Huge regular seasons, MVPs, MIA in the big spots. Where is that analogy failing? Uh, well, here's where that analogy is failing, okay? You're right from the standpoint of the interception. That's unforgivable. I don't know what he was doing with that throw, but I'm not going to blame Lamar Jackson when Zay Flowers does what he did in those two circumstances, which is is inexcusable in every way. Jackson made the plays to get them into those positions. I don't think Lamar Jackson was awful yesterday. I think he made a couple of bad plays, but I also think that the Ravens did not give, give him a good enough chance when the Chiefs kept blitzing him all over the place. There were times he didn't have a sniff. There were times he didn't have a Carlin, snip. they scored 10 so, points uh, yes, at home listen, you're in right. the biggest game of the season. They scored you're 10 right. points. And one of them was a red zone turnover by somebody else who put them in a tougher spot. So he deserves blame. He doesn't deserve all the blame for this. One. But he's going to take the MVP. He's going to get the award for the yeah. regular season. Like, he's going to be there for that. But then in this spot, we're going to go ahead and say, well, bad. But, you know, everyone else. It is. It's a failure of everybody. But I'll tell you this. If you went into that game Sunday morning and you said, look, there's only one piece of information we know. We're back from the future. We got one piece of information, and it's this. This is the only thing we know. The Chiefs are scoring 17 points in this game. Who on earth that likes Baltimore feels bad about that? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody on earth. If you find out the Chiefs are going to score 17 points, you feel like you got that thing wrapped up, and you scored 10 and you, where, where is the drive chart here? Here's their drive chart. Punt, three and out, awful possession, open the game. Then they score a touchdown. Then the fumble, punt, punt, end of half. But at least they left enough time and screwed up defensively to let Kansas City get down there for a field goal, which ended up being the difference. Then they come out to start the third quarter. Are we going to rally? Punt, punt, fumble, interception, field goal. We can point to everybody because yeah. it's a failure on everyone's behalf. But the star quarterback who's going to hoist his next hollow MVP award, I don't want to hear any more about this Hall of Fame crap. Well, if you have two MVPs, you have to be in the Hall of Fame. How about a couple playoff wins? How about that? How about, how about something in a big spot? Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. So who cost the Lions? Their coach or their players? 
Here's a hint. It rhymes with schmandamble. <laughs> it's coming up after Joe has this from Vivid Seats. Catch all your favorite sports live with Vivid Seats. Even the big game, which is right around the corner. Vivid Seats is giving away two free tickets to the big game now through February 4th. Pay attention. Enter to win today by downloading the Vivid Seats app, or you can visit gamecenter.vividseats.com slash T and C for details. I'm going to give you that again. GameCenter.VividSeats.com slash TNC for details. Experience the biggest event in sports live from Las Vegas. Thanks to Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I'm Christine Lisi. Lions coach Dan Campbell not feeling any regret over the two critical failed attempts on fourth down in the second half of the NFC title game loss to the 49ers, a game in which Detroit blew a 17-point halftime lead. Told reporters it's easy hindsight, understands the scrutiny, but he does not regret the decisions. Campbell going for it has been his philosophy throughout his brief Lions tenure. In the 2023 regular season, Detroit, for example, went for it on fourth down 34% of the time, the highest rate of any team this century. This morning, the 49ers, a one-point favorite over the Chiefs in Super Bowl 58. Kansas City, of course, advancing to a fourth Super Bowl in five years with quarterback Patrick Mahomes, courtesy of a win in Baltimore AFC Championship game. NBA Ben Simmons set to return to the Nets tonight against the Jazz after missing nearly three months with a back issue. He is listed as available. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and not letting them play long ball. And I wanted to get the upper hand back. Jared rolls to his right, still looking, throws downfield, incomplete. Lions come up empty, was looking for Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't regret those decisions. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. 
don't know how much Dan Campbell loves his job and loves coaching and loves being Dan Campbell. And it's it, it's absolutely laudable, Joe. But Dan Campbell needs to learn how to be Dan Campbell in the right situations because what he did yesterday was cost his football team. Well, And, and that's the biggest problem that I've always had with him. I'm going to run my head through that wall, and I'm going to do it every time when maybe sometimes I need to not do that. When the only tool you have in the toolbox is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. It's not the first time we've said that on this show. That's Campbell. Campbell walks around with a toolbox that has one tool in it. It's a hammer. Every scenario he is presented with, except, ironically enough, the end of first half scenario on the goal line, every scenario, he's got the hammer Everything he's looking at is in there. Can we – I just want to go through this chapter at verse for a moment. Sure. Okay? Because you just brought it up. You're going to be Dan Campbell. You have a 21-7 lead. It's the end of the first half. It's it's at the two-yard line on fourth down. You have a chance to be yourself there and really, you know, hammer down on somebody. Well done. And delivered the blow. Well done. And what did he do? He kicks a field goal there. Like that, to me, that's where you beat Dan Campbell. Okay, so let me, let's me start with this, because we're going to have so much to discuss yeah. on this today. That specific decision, for or against? Drove me nuts. That drove you nuts. See, I loved it. I loved the decision. You go up three scores. No. You no. don't give the Niners any life. You kick that field goal. You don't go nope. for it, get See? stopped, and then they go into the locker room and they're excited. See? You make no, it a no, three-score no, no, no. game. I think when they kick the field goal there... That gives the it gives the Niners a little bit of life. I Down twenty four seven. You know what? It's seventeen. It's not twenty one. It's not three touchdowns. If they put it in the end zone there on the end of the first half, these coaches these days, Joe, they stress these middle eight minutes, the last four of the first half, the first four of the second half, and if he hammers them with a touchdown in that situation, or even if he gets a stop, all right, maybe they get a little momentum. But it's a sigh of relief when he kicks a field goal at the two. Yeah, but the the middle eight works when you're receiving the ball to start the second half, which the Niners were. Detroit had the ball late. Get the points. Blow the whole middle eight philosophy up by going up three scores. That's why the touchdown would have done the most damage. If it's successful. If successful. Yes, if successful. And if it's not, do you think that completely uh, a field goal versus a stop? Completely changes everything? I don't. I think you have a Niner offense that has scored one touchdown. They have one successful drive. You have an opportunity by kicking the field goal to make it a two-score game into a three-score game. And that's an additional scoring drive. And I think with the way the Niners had been playing, that was the right move. But we disagree on that one. We'll see where it goes from here. Next one. The 49ers go down, kick a field goal on their first series of the second half. Okay? 24-10. Yep. Campbell, fourth and two. At the 28, seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Kick the field goal there. Because at that point, you get back the three points that the Niners just got. Initial, In essence, negating what they just did. Negating it. So if you kick the field goal there, it once again makes it a three-score game. But he went for it and they stopped it. And guess who thought that was the turning point of the game? Nick Bosa. So what did you feel was the turning point in the third quarter when you guys really got going? I think when they went for uh, when they went on fourth down down here and we got a little pressure and a stop, 
That's all you need. Just get off the field and get our offense rolling. Yeah. Yeah. It gave them momentum to get that stop in that spot as yeah. opposed to seeing more points yeah. going no, aboard. No, disagree. That oh was that, That's being framed really nicely by you. Got the stop. Is that what happened there, everybody? Did the Niners get a stop or did Josh Reynolds drop a pass? Doesn't matter how it happened. Right. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. No, Reynolds should be blamed, of course. Well, I mean, you went out of your way to avoid it. You and Bosa both went out of your way. Yeah, well, we got the stop. They went for it and they didn't get it. They didn't stop crap. Reynolds dropped the pass. He was wide open. And by the way, does that that take anything away from them being more fired up by the fact that they didn't score in that moment? That's what mattered. See, again, again, okay, now, now it can't work both ways. You're saying they're fired up that they only gave up three at the end of the first half. But now they're also fired up that they didn't give up the field goal no, and they no. got the stop. But, Joe, in that, in that moment, the momentum that they got by kicking a field goal to start the second half immediately gets wiped out. And, and here points. is the classic mistake, the assumption that the field goal is good. Everyone just assumes if you kick the field goal, the field goal goes through. You can't kick no the 45-yard field goal. You shouldn't be in the game. Niners missed a field goal, easy field goal early to start the game. Yep. Guys miss it all the time. The idea that it's like, nah, you kick the field goal there. Okay, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee he makes that. Okay. So, all right, we disagree on that one. Next one. Fourth and three, chance to tie, 7.36 left fourth quarter, and he goes for it. Okay, down 27-24, and he goes for it. Kick the field goal. Agreed. Tie the game. We're in agreement here. Tie the game. You have a chance to tie the game. There is no need to ram your head into the wall again. And then the next thing you know, they get the stop. They go right down the field, and it's a two-score game, and you're dead in the water. Keep in mind, this is the same guy who showed us this mistake in the Dallas game over the holidays. Remember that? Mm -hmm. We're going to go for it on two. All right, we all love it. Penalty. Uh, Five-yard penalty. You're getting backed up. We're still going. We're still going for it. Whoa. Whoa, situation's changed. What do you mean you're still going for it? You have new information. Going for it, no longer optimal. You're making a suboptimal decision. Don't care. Got a hammer, see a nail. Got to pound it into the board. Like right there, we all had our jokes and conversations. That was the learning moment for Dan Campbell. That was the moment for him to learn, you know what? Sometimes information changes. Percentages change. I need to be willing to change. Was unwilling to do it in Dallas. Didn't work out. Was unwilling to do it here. Didn't work out. So we're in agreement on that one. Listen, across the board with those mistakes for me is why they lost the game. Because it completely changed momentum in a couple of spots. And I understand that you want to be the team that has a coach who is always going to believe in you to go and get the job done. But the other team is paid to. And sometimes they're going to make plays. You have to play the higher percentages You in smarter moments. There are times where you want to put the foot down, put the foot on the neck. If it goes in 28-7 at the half, I'm going to tell you the Lions don't lose that game. Go for it, and you get it at the end of that first half. 28-7, they don't lose. Unfortunately, at the end of this conversation, we're going to go right back to disagreeing because you highlighted several mistakes or potential mistakes that were made. You left out the three the top three reasons they lost that game. You didn't list any of the top three. Reason number one, the Jameer Gibbs fumble, 24-yard line of the Niners. That was the single greatest mistake the Lions made yesterday was that fumble. Absolutely. Number two, on third and one, 
with a minute five to go. You got all three timeouts. You got to throw, or if you're going to run, you got to line up and get the fourth down playoff. You cannot call timeout. Oops, we called timeout. Yep. Now we no longer have three timeouts. Now we have to go onside kick, which is successful 9% of the time over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Second biggest mistake, and then number three, an execution play. Uh, Kinder Vildor, the safety from the Lions. Yep. The pass goes off his face, Max. Ayuk makes the play. Yep. Again, it's a fluky play. But those are the three big mistakes that cost Detroit. The, 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 the decision-making by Campbell on the fourth downs, all that stuff comes after. Mm. I'll give you one of them. I'm not giving you all three in that Wait, which, which, one, which are you leaving the off? First because one, the, the first fumble one is, and the, the third first, the and one run Gibbs. are egregious. The fumble with Gibbs is egregious. And the third and one run, you're okay with that? No, I wasn't okay with it, but it, I don't put it in front of those other mistakes. The third and one run ended the game or the timeout ended the game there. They no longer were going to have the timeouts to get the stop at the end of the game. That may have been worse than the Gibbs fumble. I understand. But if you don't have the mistakes that are made earlier by Campbell, you may never even be in that situation. But that doesn't excuse making another horrific mistake. See, this is the problem for the Lions. They just kept making mistakes. At no point did they live in the moment and find a way to make a good decision. They made perhaps the worst mistake of the day right at the end because they were, as we say in the poker world, they were playing on tilt. You know what? Let's get everybody's reaction to this. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Chime in on this. I'm Dan Campbell on, on the mistakes the Lions made yesterday, the biggest reasons they lost that game. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. It is fired up Monday after Championship Sunday. All of that is on the way after Joseph will have this from our friends at Granger. For the ones who get it done... Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and the experience to answer all your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and not letting them play long ball. And I wanted to get the upper hand back. Jared rolls to his right, still looking, throws downfield, incomplete. Lions come up empty, was looking for Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't regret those decisions. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. I know how much Dan Campbell loves his job and loves coaching and loves being Dan Campbell. And it's, it, it's absolutely laudable, Joe. But Dan Campbell needs to learn how to be Dan Campbell in the right situations because what he did yesterday was cost his football team. Well, And, and that's the biggest problem that I've always had with him. I'm going to run my head through that wall, and I'm going to do it every time when maybe sometimes I need to not do that. When the only tool you have in the toolbox is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. It's not the first time we've said that on this show. That's Campbell. Campbell walks around with a toolbox that has one tool in it. It's a hammer. Every scenario he is presented with, except, ironically enough, the end of first half scenario on the goal line, every scenario he's got the hammer Everything he's looking at can, is in there. Can we 
I, I just want to go through this chapter at verse for a moment. Sure. Okay. Because you just brought it up. You're going to be Dan Campbell. You have a 21-7 lead. It's the end of the first half. It's, it's at the two-yard line on fourth down. You have a chance to be yourself there and really, you know, hammer down on somebody. Well done. And delivered the blow. Well done. And what did he do? He kicks a field goal there. Like that, to me, that's where you beat Dan Campbell. Okay, so let me, let's start with this because we're going to have so much to discuss yeah. on this today. That specific decision, for or against? Drove me nuts. That drove you nuts. See, I loved it. I loved the decision. You go up three scores. No. You no. don't give the Niners any life. You kick that field goal. You don't go nope. for it, get See? stopped, and then they go into the locker room and they're excited. See? You make no, it a no, three-score no, no, no. game. I think when they kick the field goal there, that gives the, it gives the Niners a little bit of life. I Down twenty four seven. You know what? It's seventeen. It's not twenty one. It's not three touchdowns. If they put it in the end zone there on the end of the first half, these coaches these days, Joe, they stress these middle eight minutes, the last four of the first half, the first four of the second half, and if he hammers them with a touchdown in that situation, or even if he gets a stop, all right, maybe they get a little momentum. But it's a sigh of relief when he kicks a field goal at the two. Yeah, but the, the middle eight works when you're receiving the ball to start the second half, which the Niners were. Detroit had the ball late. Get the points. Blow the whole middle eight philosophy up by going that's up three scores. That's why the touchdown would have done the most damage If in it's that successful. Spot. If successful. Yes, if successful. Okay. And if it's not, do you think that completely uh, a field goal versus a stop? Completely changes everything? I don't. I think you have a Niner offense that has scored one touchdown. They have one successful drive. You have an opportunity by kicking the field goal to make it a two-score game into a three-score game. And that's an additional scoring drive. And I think with the way the Niners had been playing, that was the right move. But we disagree on that one. We'll see where it goes from here. Next one. The 49ers go down, kick a field goal on their first series of the second half. Okay? 24-10. Yep. Campbell, fourth and two. At the 28, seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Kick the field goal there. Because at that point, you get back the three points that the Niners just got. Initial, in essence, negating what they just did. Negating it. So if you kick the field goal there, it once again makes it a three-score game. But he went for it and they stopped it. And guess who thought that was the turning point of the game? Nick Bosa. So what did you feel was the turning point in the third quarter when you guys really got going? I think when they went for uh, when they went on fourth down down here and we got a little pressure and a stop. That's all you need. Just get off the field and get our offense rolling. Yeah, yeah. It gave them momentum to get that stop in that spot as yeah. opposed to seeing more yeah. points going no. forward. No, disagree. That oh was that, that's being framed really nicely by you. Got the stop. Is that what happened there, everybody? Did the Niners get a stop, or did Josh Reynolds drop a pass? Doesn't matter how it happened. Right, okay. Just wanted to make sure. No, Reynolds should be blamed, of course. Well, I mean, you went out of your way to avoid it. You and Bosa both went out of your way. Yeah, well, we got the stop. they went for it, and they didn't get it. They didn't stop crap. Reynolds dropped the pass. He was wide open. And by the way— Does that that take anything away from them being more fired up by the fact that they didn't score in that moment? That's what mattered. See, again— Again, okay, now, now it can't work both ways. You're saying they're fired up that they only gave up three at the end of the first half. 
half, but now they're also fired up that they didn't give up the field goal no, and they no, got no. the stop. But Joe, in that in that moment, the momentum that they got by kicking a field goal to start the second half immediately gets wiped out. And here points. is the classic mistake: the assumption that the field goal is good. Everyone just assumes if you kick the field goal, the field goal goes through. You can't kick no a 45-yard field goal. You shouldn't be in the game. Niners missed a field goal, easy field goal, early to start the game. Yep. Guys miss it all the time. The idea that it's like, nah, you kick the field goal there. Okay, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee he makes that. Okay. So, all right, we disagree on that one. Next one. Fourth and three, chance to tie, 736 left fourth quarter, and he goes for it. Okay, down 27-24. And he goes for it. Kick the field goal. Agreed. I tie the game. We're in agreement here. Tie the game. You have a chance to tie the game. There is no need to ram your head into the wall again. And then the next thing you know, they get the stop. They go right down the field. And it's a two-score game. And you're dead in the water. Keep in mind, this is the same guy who showed us this mistake in the Dallas game over the holidays. Remember that? Mm-hmm. We're going to go for it on two. All right, we all love it. Penalty. Uh, five-yard penalty. You're getting backed up. We're still going. We're still going for it. Whoa. Whoa. Situation's yeah. changed. What do you mean you're still going for it? You have new information. Going for it, no longer optimal. You're making a suboptimal decision. Don't care. Got a hammer, see a nail. Got to pound it into the board. Like, right there, we all had our jokes and conversations. That was the learning moment for Dan Campbell. That was the moment for him to learn, you know what? Sometimes information changes. Percentages change. I need to be willing to change. Was unwilling to do it in Dallas. Didn't work out. Was unwilling to do it here. Didn't work out. So we're in agreement on that one. Listen, across the board with those mistakes for me is why they lost the game. Because it completely changed momentum in a couple of spots. And I understand that you want to be the team that has a coach who is always going to believe in you to go and get the job done. But the other team is paid to. And sometimes they're going to make plays. You have to play the higher percentages you, in smarter moments. There are times where you want to put the foot down, put the foot on the neck. If it goes in 28-7 at the half, I'm going to tell you the Lions don't lose that game. Go for it, and you get it at the end of that first half. 28-7, they don't lose. Unfortunately, at the end of this conversation, we're going to go right back to disagreeing because you highlighted several mistakes or potential mistakes that were made. You left out the three, the top three reasons they lost that game. You didn't list any of the top three. Reason number one, the Jameer Gibbs fumble, 24-yard yes. line of the Niners. That was the single greatest mistake the Lions yes. made yesterday was that fumble. Absolutely. Number two, on third and one, with a minute five to go, you got all three timeouts. You got to throw, or if you're going to run, you got to line up and get the fourth down playoff. You cannot call a timeout. Oops, we called timeout. Yep. Now we no longer have three timeouts. Now we have to go onside kick, which is successful 9% of the time over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Second biggest mistake, and then number three, an execution play. Uh, Kinder Vildor, the safety from the Lions. Yep. The pass goes off his face, Max. Ayuk makes the play. Yep. Again, it's a fluky play. But those are the three big mistakes that cost Detroit. The the time the, the decision making by Campbell on the fourth downs, all that stuff comes after. Mm. 
I'll give you one of them. I'm not giving you all three in that. Wait, which which one, which are you leaving the off? First because one, the, the first fumble one is, and the, the third the and one run are egregious. The fumble with Gibbs is egregious. And the third and one run, you're okay with that? No, I wasn't okay with it, but it I don't put it in front of those other mistakes. The third and one run ended the game. Or the timeout ended the game there. They no longer were going to have the timeouts to get the stop at the end of the game. That may have been worse than the Gibbs fumble. I understand, but if you don't have the mistakes that are made earlier by Campbell, you may never even be in that situation. But that doesn't excuse making another horrific mistake. See, this is the problem for the Lions. They just kept making mistakes. At no point did they live in the moment and find a way to make a good decision. They made perhaps the worst mistake of the day right at the end because they were, as we say in the poker world, they were playing on tilt. You know what? Let's get everybody's reaction to this. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Chime in on this. I'm Dan Campbell on on the mistakes the Lions made yesterday, the biggest reasons they lost that game. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. It is fired up Monday after Championship Sunday. All of that is on the way after Joseph will have this from our friends at Granger. For the ones who get it done... Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and the experience to answer all your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 